Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Chuck Bryant. It's freezing in here. It's not that cold. You need to put on a sweater or something. Well, it's. Uh, I didn't expect it to be chilly. It is a little chilly. Our producer Jerry's wearing a hooded sweatshirt and a vest. That's kind of a dead giveaway, Chuck. Well, she's stylish that way. She is. She is. So, uh, everybody, um, if you haven't figured it out by now, this is stuff you should know. Um, and uh, Chuck and I are going to talk about death. It's part of our death suite. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. We just realized. Everest, Bizarre, and then this one. Right. And if you don't know what we're talking about, it means that they've been published out of order. So just look forward to a lot of death from SYSK, right? Yes. Okay, so Chuck, um, I'm pretty sure you're fully aware that I don't lead a very healthy life. I, uh, yes, I, I know that. I have certain vices that are disgusting and um, suicidal, <laughs> right? Yeah. You smoke. That's one of many. Yes. Yeah. Basically, I shouldn't be walking around right now. Right. Um, and I've come to um, kind of take hope in uh, someone who's become one of my personal heroes, a woman named uh, Madame Jean Clement. Right. And uh, Madame Clement uh, was a French woman, as her name would indicate. Right. And uh, she, in 1997, she died happy and healthy. Um and 122 years old. Yeah, amazing. And the greatest part about uh, Madame Clement is that she smoked until she was 100. I know. So I've got, what, 68 more years uh-huh. before I have to quit if you know I want to possibly live to 122. Quit to live another 22 years. Right. And there there are caveats to that, yes. right? Um, you know, I plan on raging against the dying of the light unless... You know, I get like a terminal cancer diagnosis or there's something that, that I'm not going to be able to get out of and it equals like horrible death. And then. Right. That's yeah, it. <laughs> I'm, yeah. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm not going to go, uh, go easy. Wow. No, actually, no, the opposite. I'm going to go very easy, but it'll be by my own hand. Right. Yeah. So that's my plan, but I'd rather live to 122 and just, you know, I'd rather have, you live have the AFP too. take photos of mm-hmm. me and post them on Getty images, that right. kind of thing. Yeah. You just want to be 100 with a smoke in your hand. Yeah, that's totally. Your goal. And be like, don't smoke, kids. It's really bad for you. Right. My grandmother lived to be 100. Did she? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know Passed what that away. makes her, right? Uh, yeah, 100 years old. Yes. There's <laughs> another word for that, though. Uh, is it uh, Centurion? That's very close. Did she uh, combat people and, and like the Coliseum or anything? <laughs> right. No, centenarian. Centenarian. Right. Anybody who lives to age one hundred or older is automatically a centenarian, yeah. right? She passed away between one hundred and one hundred and one. Good for her. Yeah, she made it to this centenarian status. Yes. So, um, was she a healthy person? Did she lead a healthy life? Yeah, I mean, uh, she was from the south and. Uh, so she ingested a lot of uh, grease and fried foods mm-hmm. over her life, but she didn't drink and she didn't smoke. Gotcha. And she, you know, grew her own vegetables, stuff like that. Yeah. Now that's that's generally the rule of thumb. If you're going to lead a very long life, especially a healthy long life, there's certainly like you can't drink, you can't right. smoke, you have to forswear a lot of stuff. Right. Um. So basically, you can lead a long, healthy, boring life, right? <laughs> yeah. Um. But uh, there's people like Madame Clement. Who kind of fly in the face of this notion? Right, like you're, you're. She, she should have been dead many, many years before she did die. Right, from and lung she, cancer, she, lung cancer, heart disease, emphysema, sure. any, any number of things. Um, and she wasn't. So that kind of leads us to this question of 
how could people like her? And she's not the only one. She's definitely a rarity. Right. But she's not the only person uh, who, who's lived that, that led a slightly unhealthy life but right. lived a, a very long, healthy one. So how is this possible, right? And this, right. This, there's actually a field of research, uh, aging research, dedicated to longevity. So it's not dumb luck. With, they're trying to figure out there's got to be something to this. Yeah. Yeah, and the weird thing is, is I have a pretty high chance of actually making it a lot longer than I should. Although I, I should probably insert here, as you know, the death clock gives mm-hmm. me till 2041. Right. But a, uh, a gypsy once, I'm sorry, a Roma once, uh, read my palm mm-hmm. and, uh, told me I had till 87. So I'm not sure which one's right. I think I'm going to go with the Roma lady. Well, what would the other one put you at? The death clock? Um, 65, I think. Oh, well, any, it's between 65 and 87. That's pretty good. Well, the thing is, is if I, if I make it to 65, I'm, that's not very long. Yeah. Yeah. 87 is definitely long. Right. But I, I think if you look at it in perspective, by the time I'm 87, 87 will probably be like 65 as now. True. Either way, I'm going down. I can tell. Yeah. But you'll look like you're 122. So. Right. Exactly. So um, how did we get on this one? Yeah, I need you to leave me back there, buddy. Well, we need to go back. It's genes, Josh. Oh, no. First, first. Yes, they're pretty sure that it is genes. Surely there's a genetic cause. And the whole reason why the, there's pretty much evidentiary proof that, that genes do play a role is that right. there's whole families of centenarians. Mm-hmm. And if, if if genetics didn't play a major role in longevity, uh, then the the probability of a family having like three or four um, centenarians is like astronomically unlikely, yeah. right? So yes, genes play a role, but there's another mechanism that the, the kind of a physiological mechanism. Ah, the starvation. Yeah, right. Yeah, a restricted caloric intake. Right, and, and I was going to say all that's, proven, right? It is. Well, just, you know, just by, through observation, mm-hmm. um, and, and studies in like, uh, worms and, uh, I think rats. yeast. Yeah. Yeast. Yeast rats. Which is, and worms. Which is a, a fungi, not a plant, by the way. We've learned many times over. Yeah. But the rats in particular are the ones who are really kind of giving up the secrets of what genes might lie behind us. But you want to talk about a caloric restricted diet first and what, what happens with that? Well, yeah. They found out they did some, uh, like you were talking about tests on rats and they found that, uh, the rats ate 40% fewer calories than their beefy counterparts, uh, <laughs> called, uh, caloric restriction. Uh, they live longer. So, and yep. healthier, evidently, too. Longer and healthier. Yeah. Uh, part of it is, uh, leanness leads to, um, longevity and health generally. Right. Fat is, although our body has a mechanism for storing it mm-hmm. in, uh, in the lean times, if you'll forgive me. Right. Um, it's actually not very good for us. Right. We we make much better use of carbohydrates and proteins mm-hmm. um, and other nutrients. Um, fat's kind of like at the it's it's the uh, bottom of the barrel nutrient, right? Right. I, I know when I was doing my survival uh, work in the how long can you live without food and water that kind of thing mm-hmm. that when you start to starve your fats are the first thing to go then carbohydrates and right. then the proteins which means that's your body itself. Right. So um so we know that uh, a, a caloric restricted diet is a good thing, but we just what what longevity researchers are trying to figure out is exactly how this keeps us um, right healthy and the alive. Me- the mechanism behind it, right? So one one of the genes that's been studied is the uh, SIRT1 gene. That's a good one, and it's my favorite is of it? the longevity genes. Yes. Well, mine's the other one. We'll get to that. In a okay. Well, which by the way I've dubbed uh, the Ponce de Leon gene. 
Did you I like that? that? Yeah. Did you notice that in the article? Sure. That was all Josh. I believe it. Okay, so um, the SIRT1 gene uh, actually, curiously, uh, was studied by two independent studies, uh, one at Harvard and one mm-hmm. at MIT, and they both published their findings in June 2004 within like 16 days of one another. Yeah, it kind of makes me wonder if they were you know, looking on each other's test paper. Can't you see like some uh, eggheads like huddled over like the study? Um, So uh, what one of them found was that the SIRT1 gene inhibits the expression of this protein called BAX, right? Uh No matter whether your cells are doing well or damaged, they have a specific lifetime. Right, a lifespan. Right, There's, they have a lifespan. And it, they could be healthy as an ox, but mm-hmm. once they reach this, the end of this lifespan, um, this protein Bax comes in and actually creates apoptosis. And apoptosis is um, programmed cellular death. Like it's an execution. Wow. Now what SIRT1 does is it prevents the expression of, of uh, Bax, right? Mm-hmm. And so therefore it, it grants cells a stay of execution so they can keep working longer. And it's ultimately cellular death that right. that leads to death from old age. Right. Non-disease, non-environmental factors, but just your cells stop dividing right. and reproducing and That's really you stop functioning. You about it. Right. So the SIRT1 gene has been shown to produce that, right? But it also, um, it also uh, creates a... Um, a process where fat is shed uh-huh. more quickly, so you become leaner. Right. Basically, with a reduced calorie diet, your body enters survival mode. Exactly. And SIRT1 really comes into play. Mm-hmm. But as you said, you have another favorite gene, which indicates that there's that's not the only gene involved in this. No, and in, in all likelihood, there's probably more than one gene involved at a time as well. Yeah, there's there's a guy who's uh, conducting a study in Massachusetts on longevity, uh-huh. and he, he says probably about uh, 8,000 genes are responsible for it. Is that Dawkins? Or was it? No, that's okay. uh, Pearls, I believe is All his right. name. We'll get yeah. to Dawkins too, right? Yeah, oh yeah. Promise me. I promise, Chuck. Okay. Uh, my favorite gene, Josh, in this category is, I don't know how you would say it, F-O-X-O 3A, FOXO 3A? Yeah. I like FOXO 3A. Yeah, that's yeah. what we'll call it. And uh, that one they tested on worms, and it had a definite effect on the lifespan of a worm. Uh, they were able to turn this gene on and off by adding cool? uh, compounds that uh, basically target and shut down these specific genes. Yeah, they're called uh, gene silencing compounds. They've used them to create tearless onions. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I need to get some of those. I know. This stuff kills me. I know. Prepare to pay 17 bucks an onion, though, pal. Really? Oh, genetic research didn't come cheap. Uh, yeah, I guess I'll just cry <laughs> as I cook. Uh, so, um, yeah, they found out when they had this gene turned on, the worms lived a lot longer. So uh, they also found that the same gene was in a lot of elderly Japanese people. Mm-hmm. And Okinawa has the largest concentration uh, per capita of centenarians of the, anywhere else right. in the world. And centurions. Right, yeah. <laughs> They're still running around. Uh, and they also found it in elderly uh, Germans, so that kind of proved that it's not you know drawn along uh, continental or racial bounds. Right, right. Uh, kind of cool. Yeah, and there's 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 another um, <clears throat> there's another gene. It's the uh, uh, insulin growth factor one gene. IGF one. Yeah, good one. And they found that in a um, in a population of uh, Ashkenazi Jews. You know what those are? Look that up. I I know. 
apparently they're uh, Jewish people that from medieval Jewish people in Western Germany. So, gotcha. Direct okay. descendants of that line. I gotcha. All right. Yeah, I knew that they were a very specific um, group. Right. Uh, but they they found in women uh, in this group that the IGF one gene had a mutation. And IGF-1 uh, is uh, partly responsible for creating growth hormone. Ah, okay. And these women are generally small in stature as well. Right. Um, and one of the researchers who conducted this study on them, I just found this kind of flawed logic. I mean, it makes sense, but sometimes biologists, geneticists, and uh, you know, evolutionists make certain leaps. They go from A to C without hitting B, right, as which, we like to say. Yeah, which I've done before, and much this, to your chagrin. <laughs> yeah. I was not mad at you, by the way. <laughs> um, so uh, th- this one researcher posited that, you know, because they're smaller, they're living longer. And right. A pony lives longer than a horse. And I was, I don't know, for some reason that just, I was like, back that up, dude. Right, you right. Know? Um, but I think the more likely explanation is that um, cancer has been shown to be fueled by growth hormones. Right. So if you're producing less, that would that lead sense. you to believe that you you have less of a likelihood of, of dying of cancer. Right. That's an A to C I can get behind. Right. Now, the 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 problem is, is it, this shouldn't just express itself in women, this mutation, or should it? Let's talk about... Richard Dawkins. Right. Zoologist. Yes. Yes. He uh, has a theory that, um, or perhaps a hypothesis, as we've been corrected, yeah. not the same thing, that uh, everything that can reproduce basically is only a vessel for its genes, for carrying out, you know, and putting your genes in your son or daughter, and mm-hmm. then that goes on in their son or daughter, and it's a vessel, essentially. Right. We're basically like a... Uh uh, yeah, we're a vessel for a genetic line. Right. Almost, it's so disturbing to look at it like this, but almost like a uh, a parasite. You know what I'm saying? Like uh-huh. everything we're doing, every flaw we have, every every good thing that's going on with us is genetic, right? right? And then we die, but our genetic line gets passed on. It surely does. So if you look at it like that, then genes would only be concerned with getting us to reproduction age. Right, and they wouldn't care whether or not you we, live long. Right. right, that that it wouldn't concern itself with it, evolutionarily speaking. It's pretty interesting. <clears throat> but the thing is, is um, there is a case you could make for women having longevity genes, but not men. Well, so they could reproduce longer. Yeah, they yeah. would have a healthier lifespan, and thus their reproductive age would be greater, so they could produce more offspring, and the right. genetic line would would have even more of a chance of survival. Yeah, sure. But yeah. women only produce reproduce for what, like half their life, roughly. I don't, I don't think even that. Let's say like fifteen to what fifty. Oh well, that's true. Yeah, I was just thinking about the end date. Actually, that's probably about half a lifetime. Sure. Yeah, depending on who you are. Although fifty, I don't even know if you could do that. That's probably kind of a freak occurrence if you're fifty and have a kid. Yeah, I think anything over forty is yeah. uh, isn't always guaranteed. Yeah, and uh, medically speaking, even uh, 35 is considered high-risk pregnancy today in the 21st century. True. Yeah. So that's Dawkins' position, and um, the OBGYN Ruth Fetz was the one who posited that um, hypothesis, right? that explanation of why women would have a longevity gene and not men. Clearly, though, we don't really have an idea yet, or right. else we we this podcast would have been much shorter. We would have said it's the Foxo three A gene, right? You know, it There's, could be. It could have a part. It could be, but I think more likely it's it's 
a bunch of genes working together. I think you're right. Yeah. And uh, once we figure it out, we're going to figure out how to harness it. We're all going to be walking around at 125, getting in boxing matches with <laughs> kangaroos still. Uh, were you going to mention the Hayflick limit? Because I thought that was kind of cool. Sure. You kind of talked about it earlier, but I, I didn't know this until I'd read the article. You were talking about cells having a, a, a shelf life, basically, mm-hmm. until they can die out, or as many times as they can can split. Right. Uh, and the Hayflick limit, um, Dr. Hayflick, Leonard Hayflick, noticed that 50 times is the number yeah. that a cell can uh, can split, and then it stops. Right. But he also figured out that if you take an old cell uh-huh. and put a young nucleus in it, right. it'll keep going. Which is also very cool. Uh, right. And then as it as it reaches closer and closer to that 50, 50 uh, division limit, uh-huh. it starts to slow down right. more and more, and then it finally gets to 50 and stops. But, yeah, you can um, you can replace the nucleus, and it will jam on it. Interesting. Yeah. Much like a, uh old man goes after a younger woman. Let's go out on a morality <laughs> tale, Chuck. I think that's a good idea. Okay. Yeah, you want to sure. talk about Old Tom Parr? Old Tom Parr. Is that actually how he's known? Actually, they knew him as Old Parr, but yeah, Tom Parr. Okay. Yeah, but Old Tom Parr. Yeah, I, could, I could hardly believe this, but since you came up with it, I, I will believe it. Um, Parr was uh, 100, I'm sorry, he was born in 1483. Mm-hmm. So we need to point out that at the time in 1483, your lifespan was what, 30, 32? Yeah. Something, something like that? That's what I read, yeah. Um, he lived as a single man until he was 80. So he more than doubled his lifespan Mm -hmm. already, Mm -hmm. which is amazing. Mm -hmm. And then he got married and started having kids at 80. Yeah. (laughs) And at 100, uh, he apparently fathered an illegitimate child with another woman. (laughs) Yeah, he was publicly chastised. Uh uh, So he was three times the age at this point, Mm -hmm. almost. And he had an illegitimate child. Yeah, yeah. He was uh, killing it, basically. Right. Um, everybody else is just dying around him. He's fathering illegitimate children at age 100, right? Uh-huh. Um, and he actually, uh, he became fairly well known in England, as you can imagine. Sure. Um, his birth date is tentative, but they're pretty sure, based on the age that he supposedly entered the service, uh-huh. um, that he was born around 1483. So, right. Yeah, and they know exactly when he died. So even if it was off, it couldn't have been off by... Not know, too terribly much. 20 or 40 years. No, uh-uh, no. Nothing like that. Um, so... So this guy, he was asked many times, like, what his secret was. And he was like a real salt-of-the-earth farmer mm-hmm. who liked to, you know, father illegitimate children. Sure. Um, but he he ate, like, a very steady diet. Uh-huh. Um, he drank, um, not meat, I guess he drank ale fairly regularly, but he imbibed in cider only on special occasions. So right. I guess cider was a lot stronger back then. The hard then. stuff. Yeah. Um, and uh, he just kind of lived a, a, as much of a healthy life as people lived in the, what, 15th, 16th, and 17th <laughs> right. century. The guy made it to see three centuries, right? Yeah. Unbelievable. What got him was at the age of 152, um, this this uh, courtier who'd fallen out of grace with King Charles um, decided he was going to get back in the king's good graces by bringing uh, old Tom Parr to court. Right. And basically parading him around like, check this old guy. Oh, he's 152. Yeah. It's a right? very bad idea. So, old Tom Parr, this is his first taste of, like, court life, and basically sure. he parties like a rock star for uh-huh. two weeks, <laughs> dead. And, I mean, you think 152 now is just unthinkable. Yeah. And this is when the average lifespan was 32 years, so yep. I can't even imagine. He must have been, uh, that was a terrible idea. It was. And you have to imagine, like, did, did King Charles and this disgraced courtier, I mean, like, it's almost like... um 
ending up with some sort of thrill kill cult and then you know dying because you weren't you're totally out of like your your league uh-huh. you know kind of thing like did they feel bad that they killed old Tom Parr Seriously. by getting him wasted and feeding him pig and duck and stuff he had never right. eaten before so yeah I bet they did yeah I can't tell I'm curious I wonder if the history books write about stuff like that well let's find out Chuck yeah we'll check it we'll out we'll give an update and we will follow up yeah well there's plenty more to read uh, all you have to do is type in uh, some of the world's oldest people or old and unhealthy in the handy search bar at howstuffworks.com so Chuck let's, yes did you know I have a question for you did you know that if you, my friend, went onto iTunes right now and typed in super stuffed two words into their search bar, uh, our spoken word album would come up. Spoken word album? We have a spoken word <laughs> album, Chuck. I, I know that you were kind of zonked for a while while we were doing this. We had to prop him up like a dope monkey. Um, but he did a great job regardless. I appreciate that. I can only imagine if we get to do another one, which is largely contingent on how many we sell of this one, um, that if you're not doped up, we will be able to really excel at it. Right. I yeah, so um, you want to talk about it for a second? Sure. It's, uh, it's called The Stuff You Should Know, Super Stuffed Guide to the Economy. That's right. And Josh and I uh, talk about economics on a broad level and on a small level. Granular. Granular level. And uh, we kind of break it down for the for the everyday Joe that doesn't really understand what's going on in the world of economics. Which makes sense because we're everyday Joes. You got it. Or laymen, I think, as we've put it before. Right? We are. Yeah. So it's up for what, three ninety nine? Three ninety nine. It's an hour long. It's yeah. got all sorts of bells and whistles. Interviews? Yeah, there's professional or expert interviews. So yeah, it's it's not just like our regular podcast times four. It's it's exponentially better. Right. We get out of the studio, which is nice yeah. for us. Yeah, I think we cut out a lot of us. Yes. Which is vastly different from the, our regular podcast. It's much more professional. Uh, so, yeah, there's our um, there's our plug for our audiobook, The Stuff You Should Know, Super Stuff Guide to the Economy. Three ninety nine on iTunes right now. If you want to buy it, we won't be mad at you. We'd love you. And uh, I'm thinking you want to talk about the blog? Sure, Josh. Let's talk about the blog. Okay. Uh, it's been up for a few weeks now, maybe a month, and uh, we're starting to get some good interaction from the fans. It's nice. Mm-hmm. It is nice. Uh, I do a little blog uh, podcast recap on Fridays, and so if you hear something on Tuesday or Thursday that strikes your fancy, just log on to the blog and leave a comment, and Josh and I will chat it up with you. And uh, Yeah. It's been cool. Yeah, it is cool. And you can find it through the homepage at HowStuffWorks.com mm-hmm. over on the right side there. Yeah, it has our mugs. Alternately. Alternate mugs. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, check it out, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, Chuck, yes. enough about the blogs. Is yeah. it time for listener mail? It Maybe? is indeed. Josh, this one um, comes to us from a post uh, postal service worker named Scott. Mm-hmm. And he's from Pismo Beach, California. Okay. And remember we did our thing on junk mail? Yes. And how awful and evil it is? Oh, Yes. Turns out junk mail is actually keeping the Postal Service in business. <laughs> is it really? To a large degree, yeah. And this is something we never considered, and that's why we wanted to read this, because sometimes there's another side of the coin that, that we don't really realize, and this is definitely the case. Yeah. Um, Josh and Chuck, uh, you guys feel like a couple of old poker buddies to me. <laughs> Very nice way to get going there, Scott. <laughs> I'm writing in response to junk mail. I'm a letter carrier for the U.S. Uh, Postal Service. And I can assure you that on a superficial level, I hate junk mail even more than you. I sometimes loathe having to mess with all that seemingly useless garbage on a daily basis. However, it is a huge source of revenue for the Postal Service, and surprisingly, it does provide a substantial return for advertisers. 
In these increasingly difficult, difficult economic times, we postal employees are becoming concerned about the future of our jobs. Mail volume has dropped rapidly, and the so-called junk mail is providing us with much-needed business. If it were to disappear, so would all of our jobs. So before you can call an all-out assault on this admittedly minor annoyance, please take a moment to reconsider. Uh, I'm willing to put up with a little mailbox clutter to keep alive one of our nation's oldest and most important professions from Scott. And um, well, Giddy up, Scott. Giddy up, Scott. And I believe just last week the Postal Service announced a lot of layoffs. Oh, yeah? And this was just a few days ago. So Do it kind you of think we're responsible it. for it? <laughs> no, I don't think so. I hope not. So what we'll tell people then, junk mail apparently is keeping the Postal Service open, so do your best to recycle it and uh, and deal with things that way. Yeah. If you want to be taken off a list, you can be taken off a list, but we can't completely stop junk mail or else there would be no more uh, Pony Express. It also makes for really good artwork too, right, Chuck? Yeah. Well, if you want to uh, give us another perspective on reality, you can dose us by sending an email to stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com. Mwah! For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?